right, church, are you ready for God's Word? You sound like first service. I had to get on first service. I said, you know, you do come to church because you believe. Am am I right? And if you believe that the King of glory is real, that he spoke, created life, stars leapt into existence, and not only that, but if you believe that he wants to meet with you, the Bible says that where two or three gather, he shall be here. And so the Bible also says when his word is spoken, it's spoken out of the need of his people. It, it means it's a fitly spoken word. It will hit you and, and be, be useful to you right where you're at. And so if you believe that, I want, you to, I want you to let faith arise in your heart. Come on, if you're ready for God's word, come on, let me hear it. I think it's important. I, I, I challenged first service in that, you know, a lot of times Christians, we're, we're being influenced by a very worldly mindset. And there's a, a secular humanistic mindset saying there's no need for God. And they explain everything with evolution, but it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in this word. And I'll tell you why. Because they, they, they violate all kinds of, of natural laws, like the law of thermodynamics, second law of... Uh, of uh, and, and so you have... You have individuals saying, well, you know, I believe that things evolved from, and they start giving you what they evolved from, and they'll use some kind of atom or this or that, but it's always something, and then you press and go, okay, go beyond that, go before that, where did that something come from? Well, that something, there's always something that had to be there, and then, then it was a point of singularity, and then the point of singularity exploded. Now, let me ask you, just, just use the logic that, that, that God gave you. Have you ever seen an explosion create order? <laughs> and it's so hard to, to explain systems, because we have a nervous system, we have a cardiovascular system there is a solar system there is a system to our weather and our climate no so let's just take the human being when we evolved out of whatever that ponds come and where did the ponds come come from and where did the bang come from and what was the material that that created the bang and what was the energy that created the bang i mean there they have so many questions nobody knows the answers to but yet they're so quick to say god doesn't exist God doesn't exist. Why? Because we've determined that, and yet we don't have one bit shred of evidence showing a change of kind. Oh, but, but the finches evolved, but what are they now? They're still finches. Then the bacteria evolved. What are they now? They're still bacteria. Show me how something goes from this kind to this kind. There's no evidence, none. But, and, and so Christians, I want you to gird yourself up in God's word. Because to me, I have proof. You want to know what my proof is? It's this amazing word. 
No, no, no. Before you laugh it off and think, oh, yeah, right. No, no. This word changed my life. That's, I have eyewitness testimony, personal testimony on how when I believed the spirit of the living God came and introduced himself to me. And I once thought one way, and he radically changed me in ways I could not change myself. He gave me a personal miracle, a personal miracle, where I did not want righteousness, but after I encountered him, I had a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. This word has outlasted king and kingdoms. This word has outlasted castles and fortified cities, countries and empires. This word is like no other word in all of creation. Come on, Christians. Come on, Christians. If you've experienced the miracle working power of the living God, then this word is not just a word, it's the word. It's the word. And I just had to lay that foundation before we get into this message. Because I want you to know that what we're talking about here today is not just help, self-help. Or good advice. It's based on God's word and it can change your life. It can change your life. And so I want to share with you, we're called to speak life. Speak life. And if we're going to speak life, I want you to, to, to consider three particular areas where speaking life is so important. In fact, when you engage in speaking life in these three areas, there's power to revolutionize things around you. Okay, the power of praise, prayer, and proclamation. Those are the three things we're going to cover. And you say, praise? Why praise? Praise is important. In fact, God commands us to praise him. Do you know that? He doesn't suggest it. He says, do it. Now, why should we praise him? Well, I'll answer that, but before we get to that, I want to ask you this. What is praise? Praise is expressing esteem, appreciation, or value about, to, or for someone. For someone. So when you esteem God, when you value God, when you appreciate God, you're praising him. Now, let me ask you another question. Should you know the person you're praising if you want to praise them? I think that's important. Because if you don't know the person you're praising, you could be mistaken. You won't be sincere. If I'm praising uh, my brother here on the front row, Philip, and I don't really know him, and I start saying some things about him, either I could be wrong I could accidentally be right, of which my praise would not be sincere, right? Because I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe it fits. Can I ask you this? 
Do you see why it's so important to know God if you're going to praise him? Now, let me ask you another question. Before you value something, is it wise to get an appraisal? You know, when you buy a house and you're going to finance that house, the bank or the mortgage company will have you do an appraisal. And they say things like, is it going to make value? Did it make value? Is it below value? Is it above value? Do you have the value in order to execute the loan you're trying to execute? Let me tell you this. God makes value. God is the most valuable. God is everything he claims to be in this word. Because God is amazing. And so I want you to appraise him today. I want you to take a look at him and get reacquainted with how awesome he is. What do I mean by that? He is the creator of heaven and earth. He spoke and stars leapt into existence. These vast galaxies, he created them. He holds everything in the palm of his hand, says the prophet. This world is like a speck of sand to him. He is awesome. And so as you appraise God, I want you to bring your praise up to that appraisal. Because some of us are praising him down here and God is saying, I don't even know who you're praising. Because that's not me. God is high and lifted up. Our praise should be accordingly. Amen? So you say, Pastor, why is praise so important? Well, the Bible says in, in Psalms 50, verse 23, whoever offers praise glorifies the Lord. Listen to what God says. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And what happens when we glorify him? Watch the next part of the, of, of the verse. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. So first thing is you should praise God. Number two, make sure your life is pointed in the right direction. I always use the stage to show this. Go in this direction is the worldly way, my own personal way, what I think is right. Now the Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. You see this all the time. When you talk to someone who's not a Christian and you say, do you believe in God? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know the, the Savior? Have you given your life to the Savior? They say, no, I don't believe. See, to me, God is. To me, God, I can't believe in a God that would send people to hell. And they come up with all kinds of things, which is fine. But there's a problem with it. There is a way that seems right to man. That's what the Bible says. But in the end, it will leave you in hell. Why? Because you will face the living God. You will. It is appointed unto man to die and then the judgment. And it doesn't really matter what you believe. I can say, I don't believe in gravity. <laughs> gravity still happened. So you can say, I don't believe in the judgment. I don't believe in God. I don't believe there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. That's not what I came to preach to you though today. So there's a way where we go in our direction. Now this is what the Bible is saying. You got to praise God, but you also got to be pointed in the right direction. Pointed to the cross. 
Your life has to say, your life has to be lived in a way, Lord, I put my trust in you. I've given up my ideas, my thoughts. I take on what your word has told me. And when you do that, watch what happens. I show the salvation of God. Salvation. Think about this. Salvation is so, so important, isn't it? So you can begin to praise God and God begins to move and save you. Save you. This is so, so important. You see this in the, in the story of King Jehoshaphat. Now the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 that King Jehoshaphat was being besieged. He was being threatened by a vast army. In fact, it was a multitude of armies. What do I mean by that? It was several nations coming against him. The Bible says in verse 3 that he was afraid. Come on, there are things that we go through in life that will make us fearful. But the question is, does that fear drive you away from God or towards God? In King Jehoshaphat's uh, example, it drove him to God. And he declared a fast for the entire nation. And this is how they defeated their army, the armies that were coming against them. Watch what happens in verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. Come on. Pastor Melissa always says, if you want breakthrough, it takes place in? Do you realize when you want a breakthrough in your life, start to praise the king of glory. Start to praise him, but you need to praise him not down here. You need to praise him where he's at. You need to praise him on his level. You need to get an appraisal of who he is. And the way you do that is you get to get into his word. Go through the Psalms. Find out who he really is and say, Lord, based on your word, I praise your holy name. I praise your name. You say, well, what is that about his name? His name represents his character. He's old school that way. I love that. He's old school because in in the old school, people used to say, you represent my name. My father used to say, don't embarrass the family. You represent, go live it up. There's nothing higher than God's name. And so you can praise his holy name. Why? Because it's true, sound, and secure. But watch, he appointed worshipers. I can only imagine if they were appointing worshipers, I probably would have volunteered. I love it. I don't think I would have been appointed though. Because I would have said, some, no, 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 no. How many of you, some of you aren't going to be appointed. You just got to be part of the assembly. But, and that's good because the Bible doesn't say make a good noise to the Lord. It says make a joyful noise. How many of you know we can hang on that? I make a joyful noise, Lord. And my noise isn't that good. And I can always tell when I'm getting too loud because I get excited here on the front row. And when I start getting loud, the vocalists kind of go like this. <laughs> Stop that. But, but they're about to praise. Watch this. And who should praise the beauty of holiness? This is what they were appointed for. To praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army, they were singing or saying, what were they saying? I think they were singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. That's not a very long song. It's a short little chorus. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. 
Give thanks to the Lord our God. I can almost, almost imagine Chris Tomlin leading it, right? You can almost imagine Maverick City leading it, Dante leading it, going, praise the Lord, his mercy endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise God, watch what happens. Verse 22, the very next verse, this is what will happen in your life. The very next part of your life, God begins to show up. You say, but pastor, I have praised before and nothing happened. Maybe you were pointed in the wrong direction. Isn't that what he said? There's two things. Praise me and make sure you're pointed in the right direction. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Abba, uh, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Give praise to our king and glory. Can I tell you of another story in the Old Testament that I find very, very interesting? It's the story of Jonah. Now, Jonah is pointed in the wrong direction. How do we know this? Because God said, go to Nineveh. He decided, no, I'm going as far away from Nineveh as I can. So the Lord had to encourage him a little bit. How many of us need encouragement every once in a while? He had to encourage him a little bit, and he had him get thrown overboard and swallowed by a fish. Swallowed by a fish. Now, I couldn't think of a worse way to die. I am deathly afraid of sharks. You've heard my story, and for those who haven't, I'll share it. Um, we were at South Padre Island, and we were out, kind of Melissa and I. It was later in the, in the afternoon. How many of you know when that sun's starting to go down, the kids are tired, and you're out there with your honey, and uh, she's making those eyes at you, and you're, uh, nothing kills the mood like a fin. I saw a fin, and I'm like, oh, and she's like, stop playing, baby. You're always trying to scare me. I'm trying to get in the mood with you. And I was, there's a fin. I'm not going to tell you twice. (laughs) This is what she remembers. I don't quite remember this, but she says, I turned, and I used her to push off of, (laughs) and I took off like Michael Phelps. (laughs) She made it back to shore. And when she did, this was, my, this was my defense. Baby, it's for the kids. One of us had to survive. One of us had to survive. But so Jonah gets eaten. I, I can only imagine what it must have felt like for him. I couldn't be more terrified than be, be swallowed alive by a fish. Now, why? He's pointing in the right direction. He needs some encouragement. It kind of reminds me of a story um, or once upon a time when I was... I was um, talking to my brother and I've discipled him for some time and now he disciples me as much as I disciple him and we're two brothers in Christ always talking out God's word but I can remember my brother used to get really apprehensive and he's like man I just feel like like something's going to happen to my business and I said why I said man I just feel like God's going to crater my business or he's going to cause it not to to succeed because he wants my attention and and um and so he's, he's going he's gonna to do this. And I thought, hmm, so you think God has, you know, takes joy in cratering businesses? Like, that's what he does. I crater businesses. Yeah. And he's like, well, of course not. But why do you think he's going to crater yours? He goes, because he wants my attention. Then maybe you should give him your. And let him bless your business. Come on now. You say, 
Wow, why couldn't I have thought of that? Because the enemy's really good at doing what he does. He's really good at doing what he does. And that's why you need discipleship. You need another person to come alongside and to help you see how the enemy might be working. And so this is what Jonah needed. He needed a little bit of encouragement. How many of you know that I'd rather skip the fish? I'd rather skip the fish and just point in the right direction. But he's in the middle of the fish. And watch, in chapter 2, the prayer starts at the beginning of the chapter. But it isn't until cha- uh, verse 9 that things really begin to take place. Read verse 9 with me. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the... And at that moment, the fish spit him out. He's been praying for eight verses. When he finally started praising God, can I tell you, prayer brings the salvation. I mean, excuse me, praise brings the salvation of the Lord. Some of us have been whining, we've been praying, we've been this, we've been that. Start praising. Praising. And things start to break free. Number two, prayer. Prayer is extremely, extremely important. I want to tell you a story that was relayed by by the great evangelist Charles Ingalls. When he first came to America 31 years ago, he says he crossed the Atlantic and got to meet an amazing steamship or steamboat captain. The steamboat captain was one of the most devout men of God he had ever met. But the steamboat captain told him, five months ago when I was here crossing the Atlantic, I met one of the most amazing characters, and it totally revolutionized my Christian walk. So the, so the evangelist was like, who was it? It was a man by the name of George Mueller. George Mueller was on my ship. And on Wednesday, I had been up for 22 hours on the bridge trying to make it through dense fog when I had a tap on my shoulder. When I turned around, it was this thin man named George. Mr. Mueller said, Captain, I have a question for you. Are we going to make it to Quebec? By Saturday afternoon, because I have an engagement. The captain said, it is impossible. To which Mueller responded, Pastor Mueller responded, then I will have to ask God to give me another means of transportation because you can't do it. But God can. And he says, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. In his mind, he thought, who is this lunatic? He says, Captain, you shall come with me, and we will go into the map room and pray about it. On their way into the map room, Mr. Mueller says, for almost 50 years, God has directed my appointments, and he gave me this appointment, and I have never missed an appointment of God's. I'm not about to start now. They got into the map room. The captain didn't know what was happening. Mr. Mueller knelt down and pulled the captain to kneel down with him. 
They're there kneeling down. And the captain said he, he heard one of the most humble prayers he's ever heard. In fact, he said it was ordinary and it sounded like it belonged in a children's classroom. That's what he said. And this is what he said. He said, Oh Lord, if it is consistent with thy will, please remove the fog in five minutes. You know the engagement you made for me in Quebec for Saturday. I believe it's your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Just then, the captain cleared his throat and was beginning to gather himself for prayer when he felt Mr. Mueller standing, touching him on the shoulder, saying, no need. When he looked up at him, Mr. Mueller said two reasons. Number one, you don't believe God will do it. And number two, it's already done. It's already done. No, no, listen to me. This is the cool part. He says, Captain, when you open that door, you will see the the fog is gone. You see, for 50-something years, I've known my God. And I have prayed every single day, and I have never not gotten an audience with the King Almighty. What was he saying? I know him. I talk to him like he's my father. And in fact, it's already done. The captain opened the door. Fog was moved. And he walked up onto that bridge like he was on holy ground. Because when you pray, God moves. Amen. When you pray, God moves, Christians. That's why I've started off with this is no ordinary book. He's no ordinary God. I need you to do an appraisal of who you are and what you're doing and who he is and what he's doing. Because when you appraise what God is up to, you can't help but feel moved at the core of who you are. At the core of who you are. See, the almighty God can do the impossible according to Luke 137. He can do the impossible. What is impossible for man is more than possible with God, Jesus said. In fact, Jesus asked us to pray persistently. Listen to what he says in Luke 18. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. The apostle Paul says the same thing to the Thessalonican church. He says, pray without what? ceasing. Don't ever stop praying. Can I tell you, younger generation, this is for you. Some of the younger generation doesn't pray without ceasing. I can see it in the kids that I talk to. They'll have, an, they'll have something going on in their lives, and I'll say, first thing out of my mouth is, have you? And they say, no. And I'm like, then start there. Pray. I can only assume that they have not what? appraised it right they must think that god is too busy or that god is falling asleep or that god is 
unconcerned or that their problem is too big or the problem is too small. They haven't appraised it right because the Bible doesn't say any of those things. The Bible says he never slumbers. He never sleeps. Nothing is outside of his preview. He cares and loves you with an everlasting love. He wants to hear from you. Jesus said, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Let God know what's on your heart. He can do what you cannot do. Pray with thanksgiving and faith. So now I'm going through how you should pray. First of all, pray believing he can do the impossible. Then what? Pray all the time. Pray with thanksgiving and faith. Listen to what Philippians 4 says. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving. Start off thanking him for what he did, what he has done, what he will do, and has already moved and worked it out in your, on your behalf. You got to pray with faith, thanksgiving and faith. James 1, 5 says this, if anyone lacks wisdom, can we put something else in place of that wisdom? If you lack provision, if you lack security, what do you lack? If anyone lacks Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now watch, but let him ask in faith. No one who doubts will receive, watch, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. This is what the Bible says. If you doubt, you're like, one minute, I think God will do it. No, he won't. Yes, he will. I'm not good enough. I just, uh, 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 And you're like a wave tossed to and fro. That man is unstable and double-minded in all he does and will not receive from God. And it's as if God is saying, when you make up your mind, then I'll start working. Decide, do you believe me or not? This is why the, the book of Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to to please God. So faith, thanksgiving, faith, watch this, pray within God's will for his glory. Watch what the Bible says. Jesus taught us to pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done. For his glory, John 14 says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the father may be what? Glorified. So, Lord, for your will, for your glory. You say, Pastor, but what if it's for my glory? You'll be waiting. Right? That's, that's pointed in the wrong direction. You might have to meet a fish first. I'd rather skip the fish. Anyone? Pray with your heart right with God. James tells us to confess our sin. That means make peace with your brothers, make peace with God, and then pray with confidence, amen? Pray with confidence, because after all, the Lord commands us to pray, and he promises to listen. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple And my cry came before him, even to his ears. See, the Lord God Almighty 
not only listens, but he answers. He answers. And this is where I finish the topic of prayer. I have called upon you for you hear me, O God. O Lord, O God, you hear me. You incline your ear to me and you hear my speech. You answer. Last but not least, proclaim. If you want to speak life, we have to learn to proclaim. Do you realize that the word proclaim comes from the Greek and Latin, both meaning to shout? In today's day and age, we don't shout like this anymore. We don't do proclamations. Now they'll read it at the county courthouse or they'll read it at the state house or the white house and they'll do these proclamations. But do you remember ever seeing a show in the old, olden times, they would say something like, hear ye, hear ye, right? And what would they do? They would begin to proclaim a valuable truth. Do you realize you have the most valuable truth? And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We're called to herald it, to share it. To herald it means to proclaim it with a loud shout. In fact, that proclamation is known as preaching and confession. What do you mean by confession? Confessing of your sins? No, no. Confessing truth. Saying this is true. And this is how we're supposed to proclaim God's word over your life. Over your children and family. Over your church. Over your neighborhood. Wherever you go. You stand on God's word and you proclaim it. Why? It takes confidence to proclaim like that. You know how much Paul writes about confidence? Confident that he who began the good work, he's faithful to complete it. Confident in the one who has saved you. Confident in the truth that you have believed in. Being confident is important if you're going to proclaim God's truth. Now watch what Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. The Bible says that our confession, our confession is Jesus Christ, our high priest. What does that mean? It means when you speak God's word, you're speaking the gospel of Jesus and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. When you speak God's word over your life, you're literally speaking Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ leans over to his Father and says, yes, I second that. And it shall be done. This is not, this is not earthly. This is heavenly what we're talking about here. Stay with me on this because we're almost done. Ultimately, we're called to proclaim or to preach the gospel of the good news. Listen to what Matthew 24 says. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the earth as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. In the ESV, it uses the word proclaim. Because remember, preach, proclaim, Confess. They're all the same word. And we as Christians have that beautiful privilege to proclaim forth truth.
Now, I want to ask you a very, very important question. How many of us believe that America needs a little help and needs to get back on the right track? Anyone raise your hand if you believe that? Okay, if you don't believe it, if you say, no, America's in an awesome spot, great space, I got a ticket for you, one way, to a certain city. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I know I'm, I'm, being, I'm being silly. But, but everyone pretty much believes that. Can I tell you, it's our fault. The reason it's our fault is, read the verse here in Romans Chapter 1, verse 16. Bible says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the what? Power of God for salvation. When we praise God with a mighty shout, when we pray like we believe it, and we proclaim God's word and point our lives in the right direction, God's salvation comes. It comes, and that's what people need more of. They need to know that they're pointed in the wrong direction, and only the power of Jesus Christ can change a man's heart. Look, how many of you remember being pointed in the wrong direction? Did you know you were pointed in the wrong direction? A proud man doesn't know he's proud. It's only the gospel that breaks through and you go, wait, I'm lost. Oh, Jesus. Can I tell you, this looks like foolishness to most people. And some of us are out there arguing and fighting battles we shouldn't be fighting. Just present the gospel. Present the gospel. Tell them Jesus Christ is the way to salvation. You say, what's the gospel? You show them the law. This is what it means to be a sinner. Have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you used God's name in vain? Have you looked lustfully at a person? Have you wished someone ill? Have you cursed them? Have you murdered them? You show them the gospel. If you have, then you are doomed because someday you will face the living king of glory who will judge everyone it is appointed unto man to die and then the judgment the bible says see i don't have to argue that it's true no i'm a good person the bible says every man proclaims his goodness everybody thinks they're good but show them the law you go but why should i show them the law it creates fear exactly you're heading in the wrong direction. Your way leads to destruction. I want you to be fearful because fear can have you turn. The Bible says from fear, man turns from sin and runs to God. Look, nobody's going to want a savior if they don't think they need one. If you're good, and that's what most people think in America, oh, I'm good. But they're making crazy decisions. We need Jesus in control. I wasn't a good person until Jesus started controlling my life. And every time I take back control, I show how good I am. Do you see what I'm saying here? The gospel message, I'm not ashamed of it. You say, but how do I accept Jesus? Proclaim to them. 
Faith comes by hearing. As I proclaim to you, how do you accept Jesus? You realize, I don't want to meet my maker, my creator, without what? His saving grace. Therefore, I turn from my sins. I confess that I've done wrong. And by faith, I put my trust in him. I've been trusting in myself. I've been trusting in evolution. I've been trusting in this worldly nonsense. It's always amazing to me how people think of stuff like, well, to me, God is this and God is, where did you get that? Well, I just dreamed it up. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would face the greatest decision of your life based on something you concocted. Not when this book has stood the test of time. But how would I, I don't know what it says. I just assumed, then be a real friend and share it with them. Love them enough to tell them. Proclaim it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Last thing. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Do you realize what you're proclaiming? You're proclaiming the word of God. The breath is from the word rios. And rio is the spirit of God. So there's two things happening. Father speaks, the Spirit makes it happen. You speak the words of the gospel, the Spirit will bring the life change. You won't save anybody, but you have to be willing to put the, the message forth. To me, this isn't about America. This is about my neighbor. This is about my loved ones, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. Anyone who doesn't know who I have the opportunity to share life with. It's like if I had a cure for cancer and I just kept it in my pocket and walked by because, well, they may not, they may not receive it exactly right. I love you, church. Do you believe that? You believe I've told you the truth today? As you prepare your heart for communion, would you just say, Lord... Holy Spirit, do I need to reappraise what I've been feeling and thinking and saying about you and towards you? Has the enemy kind of gotten me off course and have I started to point in the wrong direction? And by the power of his Holy Spirit, ask him to straighten, straighten you back towards the cross. Maybe you're here today and you need to say, Holy Spirit, 
Give me a courage and a faith to proclaim truth. Because I have been shrinking back. Or maybe you don't shrink back, but you, you get caught up in arguing things that, that won't ever change someone's heart. Someone, I, I need to say this, told me the other day, that Bible is filled with a bunch of fairy tales. And I said, yeah, they sound like fairy tales. I give you that. Do you realize the Bible says that to the non-believer, this is foolishness? This is no different than Jack and the Beanstalk. Problem is Jack and the Beanstalk hasn't changed lives for 2,000 years. This has. But I always focus on what first? Jesus, because once Jesus comes in, their eyes will be open to the truth of that word. Amen? So, Lord, help us share Jesus. After all, it's you who changed our lives. Thank you, Lord. By your blood, we are washed white as snow. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, church. Have a great, great week.